Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Because uh, 
I didn't think it was going to go down like this the way that it did. But the first game that I do want to get into was Jacksonville flying from Florida into the state of Missouri to play the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, the Kansas City Chiefs ended up winning this game. Now, the unfortunate situation is Mahomes suffered an injury but came out for a good duration of time, came back to finish the game to kind of seal the deal. I want to see how you guys feel about this game and um, moving forward. The one thing that bothers me is because the strength of the Chiefs is that offense, and the head of the snake is Patrick Mahomes. No matter how the game goes down today, and I don't really want to give too much to the game because I want to save that for later within the show, both of these quarterbacks are studs, being Joe Burrow and uh, Josh Allen. With Mahomes being injured, this is like, oh, man, what if he wasn't injured? Like, this, that, and the third. That's the one thing that has me, like, here today wanting to see how you guys feel about this. But I want I want to set this one off, man. The group, it's, it's wide open and hot in this building. I want to see how you guys feel. Um, Mike, I'll come to you first. Your thoughts on the game yesterday, Jacksonville coming up short up against the Kansas City Chiefs team who's still hot at this point in time. I thought Jacksonville made a good accounting of themselves. I thought they were playing with house money. Uh, they showed up. They played pretty well. I mean, listen, uh, Chad Henney coming off the bench, putting together that drive when Mahomes did go out. That was, uh, I mean, as Quick said in the barbershop, that was goaded for them. That really made a huge difference in the game. <clears throat> so I'll start with saying I thought that Jacksonville team, listen, young, up and coming, nothing to hang their heads about. They're going to be heard from again in future seasons. I think Trevor Lawrence really grew up. Uh, a good bit this year and they still have you know a solid foundation to build on uh there and uh, you know a big difference when you uh coaching makes Doug Peterson did a nice job uh in Jacksonville this year uh that being said you know listen Mahomes came back played the second half uh you know he's he's got a rocket arm and so if anybody can can make those kinds of throws without being able to step into them properly and that kind of thing. I would think Mahomes is is that guy. It'll be interesting to see once it kind of stiffens up on him. I I do think that Kansas City is you know going to need Mahomes at as close to full strength as possible to be able to uh, advance out of that next round. But kudos to Kansas City, number one seed. They did what they were supposed to do and and took care of business and. You know, listen, I think this is the second time Chad Henney's done that in the playoffs. So, a uh, backup quarterback doing exactly what he was supposed to do. Um, but Mahomes showed you, uh, once again, why, in my opinion, he's the best quarterback in the game right now. Stanley, your thoughts on the game? And, and just like I try to get out of your uh, mic, I'm trying to get out of you. Your thoughts on how these quarterbacks, you know, pose a threat to Mahomes? Because all of these guys are good throwers, with Burrow being a good passer, Josh Allen being a good passer, and, of course, Mahomes being a good passer himself. Like, with him being hobbled, approaching any one of these quarterbacks, he, it, this actually sets them back, or do you think they'll be just fine? And especially they'll be at home in Arrowhead. Well, it depends on who they play, because they won't be at home in Arrowhead if Buffalo wins. They're going to be in Atlanta. That's right. That's neutral site. You're right. You're right. I forgot about the neutral site. You're right. So that makes a difference because not only you're playing at a neutral site, you know, you don't have the crowd being able to uh, give them that half a beat of delay on the snap count, things like that. So if his ankle is still as messed up as it was, if they're playing Buffalo, 
I think they're at a disadvantage. If they play Cincinnati, I don't think so. Um, now, Cincinnati matches up well with them anyway. So, hmm. I think it's more an advantage for Buffalo than it is for Cincinnati because, remember, Buffalo doesn't have the greatest pass rush. Now, if he's hobbled, maybe you can now get there again. You want to move to field, all the other good groovy stuff. But with Cincinnati, I think Kansas City, Kansas City needs to prove something against them anyway. So, for me, I think it's a wash with Cincinnati. I think it's advantage Buffalo if uh, they want to play Buffalo and he's hobbled. Okay, how do you feel about the game, though, the game play yesterday? Um, Jacksonville hung oh. around, made it interesting, but it was like that that two-possession game they scored, keep it to one possession. It was like that field goal was the one thing that kind of was the stiff arm between Jacksonville and Kansas City. Kansas City had that three points. It was still safe no matter how it went. If they could get downfield and just score, whether a field goal or touchdown, it was like they still have Jacksonville at bay. Yeah, I mean, once once Henny had that one long drive, um, to me, the game was really never in doubt. Um, I was never worried about Jacksonville winning that game. The only reason, in my opinion, the game is even as close as it is is because Patrick got hurt. Otherwise, I think that game is a dog walk, honestly. Um, Jacksonville stepped up in class, and they're not there yet, and that's okay. That's not a knock against them. Let's all keep in mind that nobody coming into this season – thought Jacksonville would even make the playoffs. Now, we figured with Doug Peterson, they probably should be sniffing around, but nobody expected them to, to get in the playoffs and then win a game in the playoffs. So they stepped up in class. They weren't ready because Patrick got hurt. The game seems closer than it was, but that game to me was never in doubt. I At no point in that game did I ever go, oh, man, they might they have a chance. I never thought that. I never thought it. Because Jacksonville made too many mistakes. There was there was just there were too many plays that just missed, you know. And and when a team learns how to win and a team knows how to win, they make those plays. So the game yesterday was entertaining, it was fun, it was good to see where they are and where they need to get better. But honestly, I didn't think the game was was even with the game the score being what, within ten point seven to ten points. I don't think the game was as close as the score indicates because if Patrick is fully healthy, dude, <laughs> the game is that's probably a fourteen. That's probably a, at least a fourteen point win. So I'm I'm happy for Jacksonville. I like what they got going, but what I saw yesterday was a game between two teams that aren't on the same level, and that's okay because Jacksonville shouldn't be on that level yet. I agree. They just like uh, Mike said, they were playing with house money. And you, just like you said, they they aren't supposed to be there. Jacksonville was still trying to find their way. And I, I think it's just like a, a good mixture of everything with Trevor Lawrence actually finding his way in his second season, uh, getting Travis ATN to be a part of this office because last year he was out all season, and uh, starting to build confidence within those receivers because Christian Kirk and company is starting to make it happen. Marvin Jones, I mean, I, I remember him in Detroit and him actually being one of the focal points in that receiving game too actually brings a difference to the Jacksonville team. But then again, just thinking about them going into Kansas City and making this a game makes it even more of an interesting situation because the spread was eight. <clears throat> they said Kansas City were favored by eight, and they were hanging around that, going for 10-7, to 10-7, 10-3. It was just interesting that Jacksonville did enough to score. Jacksonville covered. Jacksonville ends up covering this situation. Now, looking at what I'm trying to say is 
I just feel bad because I feel Kansas City's going to come up short um, next week. I feel bad because uh, him being hobbled, whichever defense they go up against, I, maybe Cincinnati, I feel like they could pull it off because Cincinnati is not as stout as Buffalo's defense. But if Buffalo's defense is playing Kansas City and knowing Kansas City beat them last year with 13 seconds on the clock, the fourth overtime, and they're getting the overtime and Tyreek icing the cake, Buffalo is not going to leave anything on the table. They're going to put so much pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Buffalo, I feel like, could basically stamp their ticket to the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm saying this right now. Buffalo wins this game up against Cincinnati. They are going to the Super Bowl. I don't think that defense is going to leave anything on the table, especially to get to Mahomes, to not even let Travis Kelsey bury them. Travis Kelsey had over 14 catches in that game yesterday. Jacksonville couldn't figure that out at all. I'm mad at their defensive coordinator, whether their uh, secondary coach that they need to get after, to figure out which safety or linebacker could pick him up. They did nothing to right the wrong. This guy had 10 catches at halftime. Nothing to right the wrong at all. And um, just like Chandler said, they wanted some Chandler and Mike both said this. Jacksonville wasn't supposed to be here, but at least try to, you know, fix this. Like, it's, there's a leak. There's a leak. Stop the leak. And they, they couldn't stop the leak at all. And Mahomes was doing the best that he could on one leg. And um, you can it, it was glaring. You can see it. He was making throws and staying off of that foot. And if he had to scramble, he was trying to hurry up and get out of harm's way or fall if he needed to. So very touchy situation for the Chiefs, at least. And I want to see how things go as of today and going throughout the week and how they approach next week if they do hit him with a quarter zone shot or something like that and how much he's going to have to stay off of. You know he's going to be in a walking boot, things of that nature. But he was trying his best not to come off the field. Him and Andy Reid got into a fight. I give I give Patrick Mahomes a lot of credit. For one, to stay in the game and be like, don't take me out, that's the that's the heart of a competitor. I do respect that. But going into that next couple of games, or the next game, if I should, if I will, the uh, AFC Championship game, that's that's going to be tough uh, with him hobbled. And, and both of these teams are, are both looking at the Super Bowl. Cincinnati got there and won and went to the Super Bowl and lost. Buffalo was up against the same opponent and lost when they should have won the game. 13 seconds on the clock, uh, that's, that's very difficult for somebody to come back and score a field goal in 13 seconds with the whole field to go. Okay. Um, anything else before I get away from this one um, that you guys would like to add toward this game or moving forward? Not too much about Cincinnati or Buffalo, but just this this game where these two teams being Jacksonville and uh, Kansas City, excuse me. I'm just going to say yeah. I can't wait to see it. I, I, just, I can't wait to see it. I'm glad that Kansas City advanced to play. If somehow, even if he is a little gimpy, if somehow they advance, it will just add to the legend. But uh, I'm just excited that we're going to have Kansas City in there uh, next weekend because it wouldn't it wouldn't feel right uh, without having them the way they played this year. Yeah, I wanted I want to know why um, I better see all week long about the the uh, how much of a warrior Mahomes is. Every other freaking topic on every sports talk show out everywhere better be about Patrick Mahomes and his toughness and everything else because um, if he looked a little different, this is all we would hear, okay? And I'd have to start hearing about his mom and his dad and his brother and his uncle and his grandpa who fought in World War II, okay? So I better hear all of that about Patrick Mahomes for the next three days. Just because you said that, I guarantee you they won't. <laughs> it's like I know they'll be listening to us, and they won't even bother trying to entertain that. I, I think well, they, they will. There's no way they can stay away from it. I'm just being funny. Um, but I know they at least they'll just be watching his, his leg and seeing how he's walking. He, every step he takes, they're going to be watching him. I hope he's on that 
one-legged scooter thing where, you know, you keep your leg up and don't put any pressure on it as best as he possibly can. Um, but this is tough moving into the uh, the AFC Championship game. Yeah, he needs that hyperbaric chamber thing like T.O. had when he got ready for the Super Bowl. And he had to get that uh, – that ankle ready or whatever at the last minute, and they say he was in that chamber the whole time. Pat Mahomes needs something like that. <laughs> well, he gets more—he gets more money than T.O. So believe me, I bet you he has one. <laughs> T.O. didn't make as much money as this dude is getting. He—he he, he was getting a uh, half a billion dollar contract, even though I know that they talked it down. But still, yeah, he, that's more money than T.O. got. So I know he probably got one, or Kansas City probably has one on the premises. But um, I don't want to stay too long on that situation. Because this one, I um, I feel bad that I got to kind of do this in the next situation that I'm going to address. Um, and this is the New York Giants taking their talents. You know, I don't really want – yeah, I got to say stay away because they play in Jersey, even though they're a New York team, and they had to go across the state to Pennsylvania to get to Philadelphia. And um, I'm not going to – I'm going to talk about me, Sports City, and see how they feel. I was concerned about this game, right? Because all before the regular season started ending, Philadelphia is losing. They're trying to rest people. Jalen Hurts' shoulder becomes an issue. They want to see how this gets approached. The Giants win a big game in Minnesota, and this is the same situation that the Giants always get into, where everybody feels like the Giants are going to come up short. Here they go, go on a run and start winning games that you don't think that they're going to win. And I'm like, wow. They beat Minnesota in Minnesota. They're going to Philly up against a division rival. And you, it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. And I'm like, Philly's the clear-cut winner to me, or, or, you know, the favorite, shall I say, the clear-cut favorite. And I'm like, watch the Giants go in there and shock the world. Like, something about this is going to shock the world. I don't even feel good about Danny Jones or, you know, I think Saquon will have to save this team. And it's going to all be on the back of Saquon. And knowing that the history with Saquon with the Giants, once they force-feed him, that's when he gets injured. And I'm like, I don't want to see him injured. At least let him play and do what he can within the game and be able to walk off the field. The Eagles was like, okay, we'll do you one better. We won't injure him, but we'll shut him down. And um, Daniel Jones, you're going to have to show us that you could win this game. Like, show us that you could beat us. Passing. We want to see if you could do it. And let me tell you, if you were under a rock or you were not watching football at all, Philadelphia played dominating football on both sides of the ball every facet of the game, whether they were running or passing, whatever they needed to do, they were getting first downs and more or less, to me, leaving that Giants team frustrated more or less on the defensive side of the ball because they were on the, more than that offense. And um, Saquon had a 39-yard run. Other than that, he had like eight carries for like 22 yards. That's what I call jail, prison, federal building. Like he was locked up really bad, and the Eagles knew what to do, and they, they they limited them, even to count the 39-yard carry, to nine carries. How are you not feeding your focal point of your offense? Saquon, okay, and I know some people think, like I was just addressing the force feed them, at least 14 to 17 carries, at least. But they were playing catch-up, so now, just like I said, they forced the issue of Daniel Jones having to pass the ball, and that's clearly an issue. Um, the one thing that I'm looking at with Daniel Jones is the way that they played this season he had three straight seasons under 500. They finally have a winning season this year. They beat Minnesota, and then they lose badly to Philly. And I was like, I don't think Daniel Jones is the quarterback for the future for the Giants. And for him to win that game up against Minnesota, that might have bought him time. But to lose this game up against Philadelphia, it's still in question to me 
But I want to see how you guys feel about the game, all facets, whichever way you guys would like to go. And um, if you'd like to address anything, I may have said. Chandler, I'll start with you first. Well, I'll start by saying this. If you're a New York Giants fan and you are complaining or criticizing your team today, you need to shut, you need to shut the hell up. I'm going to start with that. Because I saw a lot of nonsense. Oh, this guy's a bust. You played a team that everybody in the world knew was way better than yours. Not somewhat better, not kind of better, like three levels better in every facet. They were better. They, they're, 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 you got, they got a world-beater at quarterback. You got a guy who's serviceable, and that's not a knock. He's serviceable. Your offensive line is still trying to get, get, get itself together. Um, theirs is all-pro, all-star, all-world. Defense, same thing. Now, the defense, the, the difference in the defense isn't that big, but there's still a difference. Okay, receivers, what, you name it. So you got beat by a better team. You got beat the same way you got beat early in the season because there is that much of a talent gap. This is not shocking or surprising. Oh, my God, I can't believe they lost. Why? Did you watch the other games? Tell me, tell me, tell me how, how the Giants improved from the first game to the second game. To, they didn't. It's the same team. You just had magnificent coaching and scheming and buy-in from your players, but you ran into a team that was far and away better than you, and you got beat the way you should have gotten beat. Great teams don't play with their food. The Eagles didn't play with their food last night. That's what happens. I don't know. I personally don't believe that Daniel Jones is a quarterback of the future, but not because of last night's game. Because of the fact that he is limited in the fact that when you shut down the Giants' running game, you say Daniel Daniel Jones cannot throw you to a win. He can't. He needs the running game. He needs the play action to be able to work. Which play action doesn't work if you're not if you can't run. So there is no play action because they're not going to respect it. They went, yeah, yeah. We run the right pass, running back. We coming for you, son. And also, he can't pass you to a win because. Regardless of how well some of these, these no-name receivers have stepped up, your receivers suck. Your receivers are not good. They're serviceable. He's serviceable. Literally, Brian Daybold made chicken salad out of chicken crap. That should show you how good a coach you got. He got the best out of every single position he could possibly get. He wrung it all dry. That's actually a credit to that team and that coaching staff that they got as far as they did. I'm not shocked that they got beat like that. I know people wanted the the, the, the Cinderella story and the Dabba the Dabba. I get all of that. Listen, this is life, okay? Sometimes you're just not good enough. It happens. It's okay. Now your general manager and your coach, they know what they need to do to make this team better. All of your deficiencies got exposed, and that's okay because you have the people in place who can make it better. If they choose to keep Daniel Jones, I would not be shocked. I still don't think he's a quarterback in your future, but I think with the coaching staff you have, do I think that they could probably maybe challenge for the NFC East next year if they get some upgrades? Yes. Do I think Daniel Jones is going to win you a Super Bowl? No. But if this is about building a team, 
then the Giants were on the right track. So and anybody who's criticizing them or acting like, oh, my God, I can't believe they lost, I, I, I don't know what you've been watching all year. Because I don't see how you could have expected this team to win other than one of those, hey, it's a magical run thing. Well, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, magic ran out. And, and Taylor, since you say that, right, I'm going to say this and I move right on throughout the kitchen. <clears throat> um, I feel bad that I have to do this right now, but this is just how I feel. This says a ton about Minnesota's defense. Chandler said that was the same team that you seen last week that you seen this week. The Giants were pushing that ball up and down the field on the Vikings, and they couldn't do a doggone thing. They couldn't do anything. I, I don't know what they do. Defensively, they got they, they fired the defensive coordinator, and uh, the offense, I really just want to say they, they stunned themselves, to be honest with me, for Minnesota. I feel like Minnesota would have posed a better game up against Philadelphia because earlier this season they played, and it was, I think, a 20-7 to game. It was something like this. This was an extreme blowout. This is an extreme blowout. The Giants didn't have no business being out there. Even though I got to give Dayball a ton of credit for getting the team at least there and the build from there. And, and like I'm saying, and Chandler agreed, he just said, I don't think Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the future, but for now he bought himself time for at least this next season or so. I'd say a one- to two-year window the Giants can play around with it and see if he can get them more than eight or nine wins again. If he can do that again, then he's buying time. Other than that, if he ends up falling short, the Giants are probably looking at the draft next year to have somebody behind them to pose that threat, and in the following season, if he's not successful, they'll pull the trigger. But as for now, the question still remains. Um, calling in by way of the state of California, you know why he's here. This is my other big brother from the state of California, Mr. Hughes. Welcome to the brunch. Good morning. Morning, fellas. How y'all doing? Doing all right. Your your thoughts on the game in Pennsylvania? I- with the Listen, with the Giants and the you don't even have to give me you don't even have to give me the introduction. Let let me let me start off by saying and you know, like I this needs to be prefaced for those just listening. Me and Chandler do not agree on a whole lot. He literally hit the nail completely on the head. There there you could just take his entire sentiment and just add my voice over and he'd be a hundred percent correct. Everything that he said is accurate um, and is exactly how I feel. I, I had a discussion this week. Matter of fact, you guys probably know this, but uh, on the NFL Free For All show this week on this network, they were talking about how fantastic Daniel Jones was. The the Cowboy fans were overrelated, like, oh, man, we're going to have to sign this guy to a long-term contract, $30 million a year, because he raises – he. El- elevates the play of, of others around him. And <clears throat> the, the bottom line is, is it, it was a mirage. You take, like, when you, when you get excited about the amount of points, how your quarterback or how your team looks um, against, as you already alluded to, Ty, the Minnesota Vikings, a team that gave up 30 points to the Indianapolis Colts in the first half. And listen, Nobody's going to say that they weren't, you know, that they didn't have a lucky rabbit's foot. Um, but I think we can all agree they were the worst 12 and 14 we've ever seen. You look at how many uh, one score games that they were in and the fact that they were 11 and 0 in one score games, that tells you everything you need to know. Because at a certain point, there is a certain luck element to football. 
And when they needed someone to miss a field goal, they would miss a field goal. When they needed to make a 60-plus yard field goal, they would make that field goal. They would, you know, have an offensive player on the other team, the ball pop off his hand, and their guys would intercept it. There was a lot of times throughout the year where they were way out of position defensively and still just managed to luck into the position. So I want to start there. It was an illusion. Number two, let's talk a little bit about Brian Dayball and this offense, because I think Chandler hit the nail on the head with this. Everybody's going to look at this. If you're a Giants fan as a negative, this team was a bottom feeder last year, Ty. This was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. This was, as a matter of fact, I think it was a top five pick in the NFL draft last year. I think they were like four and 13. Like this team was horrendous last year. Daniel Jones didn't even look serviceable. And if you remember, Saquon wasn't even sure he wanted to play on this team. And he turned this team into a playoff team. Now, granted, a lot of the work they did was on the front side. But as you guys know, a win is a win is a win. And once you bank that win, you can't take it back. But I think they're probably, honestly, a year or two ahead of schedule. I mean, this was a 4-13 and 13 team. Then let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the, the last most obvious thing that was brought up, but I, I, we didn't spend a lot of time on. Let's talk about the weapons that Daniel Jones is throwing to, because clearly there's quarterbacks in the NFL like, you know, a Patrick Mahomes um, and, 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 and some other guys like Brady in the past that can elevate the guys around him. Well, I don't necessarily think you can blame Daniel Jones for the roster construction, but his number one wide receiver is Isaiah Hodges, a guy that was on the practice squad, on the practice squad of the Bills. This is a guy that couldn't even make the active roster on another team and led this team the last seven, eight weeks, I believe it was, in receptions. Richie James, he was a six-round pick for the San Francisco 49ers and got cut, just outright cut. They did try to take a big swing, but Galladay is absolutely atrocious. Honestly, I'm not even sure why he's active. If it, if it wasn't for the fact that they paid him all that money, he wouldn't be. They've gotten rid of their star tight end. Not that he played like a star, but now you got Bellinger. He doesn't have any weapons around him. He doesn't. Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley is a nice piece, but you go back and you look at the stats from the other night and you take out that 139-yard run that he popped, he averaged about two yards to carry because everybody in that stadium knew what they were going to do. I mean, that, that's, that's the bottom line. They're too one-dimensional. They don't have enough playmakers. And the defense played as well as they could, given the circumstances. But Chandler's 100% right. You know what? That was a heavyweight bout. And you had, you know, you had, uh, you know, that was uh, – you know, Mike Tyson on one side, uh, you know, and uh, Sam the Pizza Guy on the other. It's it's not a disrespectful thing to the Giants, but like I said, when you're a team that overachieves and you're and you're playing far above your head, eventually you're going to have to come back down to reality. I mean, I know the seven seed is 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 new, but if you go through the history of the NFL and you look at how many times a six seed has made it to the Super Bowl and won, it's, it's not very often. I know, I know there's been a few teams that have done it, like Pittsburgh, but a lot of those times it's injury-related, meaning they were probably a better team 
than their record indicated, but injuries and other things kind of settled them into a certain slot. The Giants just overachieved, plain and simple. They're not as good as Giants fans thought they were. And like you said, Ty, the bottom line is last week was a mirage. There wasn't a person in the playoffs, including myself, that wasn't rooting for Minnesota to win that game so that Minnesota would go to San Francisco because San Francisco would have hung 60 on them. The, the defense is, is, is atrocious. And, and to be honest with you, a lot of times Kirk Cousins looks like he's, he's given up. You know, and that's a whole other topic. But I, I think, I think the, the truly interesting thing about this at this point is you're really going to find out exactly what Brian Dayball thinks about his quote-unquote star players because, yes, the Giants can franchise tag one person. But the problem is, is both Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones are free agents. And if you franchise tag Saquon Barkley because the entire offense runs around and through him, then you risk losing Daniel Jones. And because they perform fairly well, they're really not in a position to where they're going to be able to pick up one of these quote-unquote young gun quarterbacks coming out. So it, it is going to be super interesting. But, yeah, I, I, think, I think after the dust settles, I think, I think Giants fans should look at this year as a, as a positive, and I think that they should look at the fact that, you know what, we may have finally got a legitimate head coach uh, and coaching staff and Brian Dayball and his staff. Well, that boy came out of California very hungry. So I'm happy that this guy is in here eating, okay? I had to eat him under the table when I was in Hammock, so shout out to me. But um, I'm telling you the truth that um, I don't – and I'm glad Brian hit on it because I try to, like, save him some grace. I'm, I don't believe in Kirk Cousins. I, I don't know. I'm tired of buying into that regular season stuff, how much he could run the table if he could do this. Oh, was he worth the $88 million that they gave him? I don't care what he does. Prove to me that you could win a meaningful game. Prove to me that you could consistently do this, like – on a, a primetime game or Monday night football or something when everything's on the line that you winning, winning this game without it being the skin of your teeth or something like that. And um, it's tough. I know it's tough, but he had a team in front of him. He had a running back. He had a running game. You got a, a stud receiver that was in MVP conversation. You're, you're the one. You got to get it done in Minnesota. And, and that was, that was just tough for Minnesota not being able to overcome the Giants. Where to me, I don't care how people look at it. I think Minnesota was the better team. And that game last week, the Giants with Minnesota, I think the Vikings were the better team, and they lost at home. So that says a lot about what happened in that game because you clearly see what happened in this game up against Philadelphia. Outmatch should not have been there, but I give Dable a ton of credit by getting his team there to this point in time. Now, something that you and Chandler addressed, and I do want to get Mike in here also, is Daniel Jones that guy for them in the future, and so far I've heard no's, you know, so – uh, I want to see how this does get handled by the Giants organization. He he got the uh, how do I say it the Manning stamp of approval when when Peyton was going down there working out in Duke and so on and so forth. This guy was supposed to have this this validation and it really hasn't turned over. You've been working out with them. These guys are passers. They don't run. Daniel Jones is a runner. Like he can make throws here or there, but he's more or less a guy that can take off and pick up yards de- deceptively fast. He's he's fast to be his size. And you wouldn't think he is, but he's fast. But to see how the Giants move forward in the future, I want to see where they go from here. Are they going to set forth putting a big contract in front of him, or 
wait us out year after year. Does he end up getting a franchise tag? Do they put the money in front of Saquon? I think this is going to be in that backfield of New York. Who do they go with, the quarterback or the running back? This is a very scary situation for the red, white, and blue. Mike, your thoughts on the game, the discussion that we're having so far, anything that you'd like to add at this point in time? First of all, somebody came on the, in the barbershop last night and tried to uh, start knocking Dable, and I'm like, wait a minute, yo, y'all weren't even really supposed to be there. Uh, this is a third-place team uh, in their division. You know, as we talked about, they were the number six seed in the playoffs. They were they were playing with house money. The problem is they really didn't play with it. They just got up and walked away and left it on the table uh, last night. But, I mean, to the point, like, Minnesota's offense is much more explosive and better. Uh, but Minnesota's defense has more holes in it than twist sheets, right? So uh, that's why they were able to carve them up last week and make some very pedestrian off-the-street receivers look good. Um, I have seen measurable or a good bit of improvement from Daniel Jones this year, and part of it was on day ball and the way he handled him in training camp and coming up. Uh, I definitely think that he – improved and played his best year in the pros. Is he the answer moving forward? I'm not sure, but, you know, I'll say the same thing about him that I've said about a couple other quarterbacks in this league. I think they really need to address his weapons on the outside uh, at the wide receiver position. And, okay, if you have somebody you found off the streets or a couple other people that can serve as you know, three and four receivers, fine. But I think this guy needs a, at least one or two legitimate weapons on the outside uh, for us to really, really uh, know if he's the answer moving forward. I think he did enough this year improving to at least, you know, be given that other year, especially considering they're not in a spot where they could get one of the, as Brian said, one of the young guns coming out. Uh, but this you know, this team, kind of like we were saying with Jacksonville earlier, man, this team overachieved. This is a team that was a year ago. You guys heard it, Sports City. Uh, Villain was talking about this is one of his lowest points as a Giants fan uh, at the end of last season. So this team, you know, basically rose from the ashes, like the Phoenix, if you will, uh, and had a really good season. But once again, this is a third-place team in that division, and what was the number six seed in the playoffs against the number one seed who was clearly the best team in the NFC most of the year? There's a definite gap in in talent between those two teams. I understand your 49ers. I got you. Um, And they've been really hot down the season. But Philly has played from in front as the number one seed in that in that division. Now, the 49ers may push them next week. That's another story for another day. But Philly got out in front. I, you know, if, if the regular season was a race, Philly ran out in front, and they pretty much, uh, even though they kind of, you know, dropped a couple when Hurts was out later in the season, Philly played from the front all year in the NFC. So they were clearly the best regular season team in the NFC this year. Uh, but you take a look. Uh, if San Francisco did not get off to a slow start, then we may be having a different conversation. But the, as Chandler said earlier, too, 
just the the gap in talent uh, is pretty wide between the Giants and the Eagles. Uh, you you saw it get exposed, uh, and the worst thing that could have happened for the Giants did last night in that Philly got up early. Uh, I mean, it, as Chandler said, they didn't play with their food. They jumped up on them from the beginning. Uh, they almost they made them one dimensional. Daniel Jones, can you beat us? The answer is no. Uh, but they the Eagles took care of business. They flew. They did what they were supposed to do. Uh, they looked like a legit uh, number one seed, and they did exactly what you were supposed to do against an inferior opponent. Uh, they did not give them that. You know, they got on them from the gate. They didn't give them really any hope to be able to win that game. Uh, you know, we we talked about it before, Thomas. You and I, multiple multiple times, where we were taught like once you once you get up, step on their neck, don't give them a chance. It was like like you t- like you always said, your pop said after every score, y'all pressing, right? Like so that's what that's what we had here. Uh, Philly pressed, they and they they never let up, and the Giants barely had room to breathe. Uh, this. Giants team is much improved. Yes, they need to continue to do some things to get better on that roster. But the future is brighter right now, I think, in New York than it has been in a while. You got a very good coaching staff. Uh, You got a guy that, in my opinion, definitely maximized his talent. If you had asked any Giant fan going into the season, if you had said, you know what, you guys are going to make the playoffs, and make it to the divisional round. So still be playing the second week of postseason football. Uh, most Giants fans would have taken that going into this season. I understand we all have pipe dreams. We all want to accomplish more than uh, sometimes what is possible. And that's what you're supposed to do. You know, like the old saying says, shoot for the moon, because if you miss, you'll still be amongst the stars and all that kind of stuff, right? So, uh, listen, they competed They uh, until this past weekend. They got – they got beat badly uh, by the superior team. Uh, To your point, TP, they really didn't have a lot of business being there, but quite honestly, neither did uh, Minnesota may have put up a better game, but Minnesota really didn't either. Uh, Minnesota had out of their 13 wins or whatever, Minnesota won 12 wins this year. Almost all of them, but one were one possession games. They just happened to, you know, this year they came up aces and, and, and everything came up uh, came up seven or eleven for them, right? So uh, that Minnesota's got to get that defense fixed if they're going to compete. Uh, the Giants they got to make some tweaks to this roster, uh, but they can be there with with Debo. I, I feel like their best days could be ahead uh, for that team. And to answer your question for Daniel Jones, I don't think so. But I, like I said, I think we got to get he's got to get some better weapons on the outside uh, and some real legitimate threats at the wide receiver position for us to really know that answer for sure. Okay, Brian, I heard you trying to jump in or intervene while you were speaking. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, no, man. I was just uh, I was just giving a hard time when he said the. The Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I mean, uh, it was uh, kind of just in jest. Um, you know, the the only thing I will say about the, the, the Eagles is I was really impressed with um, Jalen Hurts, the way he came out and the way he was ripping it, because um, that wasn't the same looking Jalen Hurts that we saw 
uh, the week before. You know what I mean? So clearly he's he's not as concerned about the, um, you know, clearly he's not as concerned um, about the shoulder. It didn't look like, you know, at least to us from the, the casual viewing experience that uh, it was bothering him. And um, he, he had a fantastic game. I mean, obviously they all played well. You, you see the final score, but he had a fantastic game and uh, he looked sharp. So whoever goes through Philly, um, you know what? They're, they're going to have to earn it. And that's all, that's all you can really ask for in the playoffs is a good game. So regardless of who wins the next NFC matchup, it, you know, Philly looks like a team that's ready to go. Kayla, anything that you'd like to say before we get away from it? Yeah, um, with the Giants, um, and it's going to sound crazy, but if I'm the Giants, I don't go get DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I don't think DeAndre would fit well with Danny Jones. I know a lot of people talk about, well, because he wants out, go get D-Hop if you're going to bring back Daniel Jones. And a guy who I think, listen, was terrible in New York. Um, He was good in Detroit, but that was when Detroit was losing. Um, And I don't think he can handle the pressure, but I think you might be able to get at least a third rounder for him, maybe. Um, I think Kenny Galladay would work well on one of these really good teams where all he has to do is be like the third receiver. So maybe the Giants could move him for a third or fourth round pick, uh, but you can't bring Galladay back. He's he's a great blocker, but you're paying him to be a number one. Kenny Galladay's not a number one wide receiver. But I think if you look at even hell, hell, even the Baltimore Ravens, um, see if you can get a fourth-round pick for him. But get him, get him up out of there. But don't touch DeAndre Hopkins right now. DeAndre Hopkins is not going to work well with Daniel Jones. That's very interesting that you say that because I never really thought or positioned myself to think that D-Hop would be a move to New York, and that's the type of receiver that would work for Daniel Jones as a possession receiver because that's what they were trying to make. Galladay. Galladay was more of a downfield threat with Detroit, even though he can't get really separation, but he's bigger than a lot of the corners. So a lot of those high-pointed passes and jump balls, he could win. They were making him a possession receiver in New York, and that just wasn't going to work. So the dynamic of that hurt because Stafford could give him the ball. He didn't look like this in Detroit. And I think he got away from Detroit because both of them were both playing an injury game. Either he was hurt or Stafford was hurt. So it's funny that Galladay fell off the face of the earth out of nowhere. So it's interesting to see if D-Hop can actually entertain the Giants to come there. I don't even know which way D-Hop is going to go, but I know he wants out of Arizona if this is the, the rumblings, especially with them losing their offensive coordinator. Kyler Murray's consistently injured. Uh, I don't know what they do in Arizona at this point in time, but that's that's a whole nother can of worms. And I can entertain that conversation if you want, but we got a lot in front. But, the, of course, Chandler's cooking today like usual. Okay, so um, – this is a very interesting Sunday, I must admit. Um, I don't even know how to approach this first game because this is the game that put everybody on the emotional edge, everybody. Um, the last time I could really vividly remember something like this that happened was back in the early 90s. I forget who they were playing. I really want to say the Indiana Pacers. But the Boston Celtics were playing in the garden. And God rest his soul, Reggie Lewis took like three steps after a rebound and just fell to the floor and grabbed for his toes. They stopped the game. He left and went to Boston's hospital and passed away. That's the only time I could think of something that vivid in my memory of something that catastrophic happening in the field of play or on the court. And uh, the Mar Hamlet situation 
just as freakish as it was, and him being a defender, he's bringing the lumber to the situation for him to actually get hit in the right spot at the right time to cause that cardiac arrest situation made everybody but Skip Bayless be aware of how dangerous the sport is. And um, unfortunate, you know, the the weight of football, they can't play that game the next day. They have to recharge themselves, so on and so forth. So this game was missed. And now we get to see the real rematch of this, where I hope nobody goes through this again on the field. But this is the game of the day for me. Well, I don't even know which one is really the game of the day because the rivalry of the Cowboys and the Niners are at it too. But just knowing the mystique, everybody's been wearing the number three in support of DeMar Hamlin. They at least get to see this game be played on the field to play, but it's not in Cincinnati at this time. It's in Buffalo. So I want to see how you guys feel about this game, what, what we're looking into, the forecast. I got my popcorn ready. I hope you guys do too. Mike, I'll start with you first. Bengals visiting the Bills. So yesterday was the undercard, right? Like today is a, a double main event, if you will, Um with these two games, I expect them both to be competitive, very highly contested. I expect some very good football to be played. Um, I worry about this Bengals line. Uh, you got three linemen out. I mean, at least they have their center back. And so if you're going to be doing silent counts and things like that, I mean, obviously if you got, you know, you need to, the quarterback and the center need to be on that same page. So I think that's big for them. Uh, but, I'm just not sure how this offensive line from Cincinnati is going to hold up. If if they can hold up and, and protect Burrow, I think uh, Cincinnati has a real, real shot to upset Buffalo in Buffalo. Uh, if the line doesn't hold up very well, uh, I think it's going to be challenging. Um, on the other side of the ball, I feel like Cincinnati has – a bend but don't break type of defense. They seem to be really good in the red zone and seem to do well, but they seem to give up a lot of yards uh, for sure in between the 20s. And in some ways, this really may come down to which one of the two quarterbacks uh, plays a better game. I, I, I love Diggs and Gabriel Davis, but I think Jacksonville has I – mean, I think Cincinnati has the edge at receiver. I think Cincinnati has the edge at the running back position. Uh, I think Buffalo has the edge on offensive line. I think as a as a general rule, Buffalo's defense is a little bit better. And then, of course, you've got that, that home field advantage in Orchard Park. As Chris Berman used to say, nobody circles the wagons. Quite like the Buffalo Bills. I I think this Buffalo team has really been on a mission a lot of this year. Uh, listen, now you have the game at home. Uh, this is your this is your chance to. I mean, this is put up or shut up really for Buffalo. You have a chance to get into that AFC Championship game, go down to Atlanta and play against Kansas City next weekend. Um, so, and we'll see. I'm 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 kind of going back and forth on my prediction. I'll throw one in in a second, but uh, but everything's right here for the taking, right? This is. This is big time, and like you said, TP, I'm just I'm getting my popcorn ready. I'm I'm excited to see it. Um, I actually beg to differ on the receiving core. I think Davis, Diggs, McKenzie, and Beasley are better core than 
Boyd Chase Higgins, and who would be the fourth receiver in Cincinnati? I, I'm giving that yeah. to to Josh Allen and company. But but nevertheless, you know, to each their own. I like my father would like to say, but I, I do want to see how these guys feel about this because this is going to be very entertaining. The spread is at six, and the over under that forty eight and a half. Uh, Chandler, your thoughts on this game? Bengals Bills. This is taking place in Orchard Park, New York right outside of the city of Buffalo. Well, I, I, you know what? I think Cincinnati is going to win. And I am not a Bengals fan. I think Cincinnati is going to win. Now, based on the last game, if you, if you looked at the last game before everything happened, tell me you didn't think Cincinnati was going to win that game based on how that game started and the way, listen, they were in control of that game. It was 7-3 Cincinnati. They were in control of that game. Um, they were going downfield. They were going to score again. It looked, all, it looked to, to anybody who was watching, they were about to score again. And it was about to be a long day for Buffalo. Um, now, Buffalo is going to have the, the emotional charge and everything else, and I get all of that. But Andrew, jo- Andrew Jones, um, what is that boy's name? Josh Allen. Josh Allen, don't ask me where Andrew Jones came from. You know I deal with traumatic brain injury. I don't know where Andrew Jones came from. Uh, Josh Allen. Yeah, don't ask me why that just came into my head, man. Uh, (laughs) Josh Allen (laughs) is not the same quarterback without Brian Dayball. He's not. He's not. He's taking a lot more chances. He's trying to force balls. He's doing some things that, honestly, he's looking – closer to the version of, of 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 Josh Allen that we saw the first two years in Buffalo. The guy who was reckless with the ball, could throw the ball downfield, could make all kinds of throws, but would turn it over incessantly. It's kind of the guy we're seeing again. The Buffalo Bills can't get pressure on the quarterback. Their front four doesn't get pressure. They don't. And for whatever reason, their defensive backs seem to pick the worst possible time to blow coverages. They've been doing that all season. So if I add all of that up, it looks like a Cincinnati win. Now, can the emotion carry Buffalo? It absolutely can. That game is going to be electric. But the first two series for Buffalo, to me, are going to tell the tale. If Buffalo goes a three and out, and in a field goal, they're losing this game. Because Cincinnati's going to score a touchdown on both of their possessions. So, um, like I said, I think this is I think this is Cincinnati's game to lose more so than it is Buffalo's to win. Because honestly, I think Cincinnati's a better team. All when all things being equal, I think Cincinnati's just a better team than Buffalo is right now. Very interesting. Um Brian, your thoughts on how this goes down uh, from what's been mentioned from myself, Mike, and Chandler? And, uh, I mean, your twist to it, too. Spice the dish up. Your Bengals, Bills, and Buffalo. Well, I definitely definitely, uh, agree with with a lot of what's been said here, right? I think if both of these teams are at full strength, um, I think I I would probably pretty heavily lean towards Cincinnati. But it does have to be Brian, you're low. You're low, Brian. 
don't know if we have Can you hear technical me? difficulties. There you go. Now it's better. Right, yep. I apologize, guys. I had my I had my headphones in. I was trying to go that route so that the background noise would be reduced. But I I was saying I think I, you have to take into consideration that three fifths of the Cincinnati Bengals starting offensive line is out. Yes, the Bills are not great at creating pressure, but creating pressure is not the only thing that having three-fifths of your offensive line out um, hinders. The running game is harder. Cadences are harder. Pickup protections are harder. So I do think, especially with the game at home, I do think that this is Buffalo's game to lose. But Chandler brought up an interesting point, and I think this is something that we've probably all seen, and maybe it is the day ball effect. I feel like this year in particular, I feel like Josh Allen has pressed. I think, I think Buffalo has asked him to do too much. Give him easier throws. Give him, you know, uh, assistance with, with continuing to, to, to pound the rock, even if, you know, you're only getting two, three yards of carry. And how about don't run him on QB runs, you know, eight times a game? Like, I know he's a big guy, but we've seen plenty of big guys like McNair and others that still get injured because, let's keep it real, there's still a quarterback and there's still other 300-pound men flying around out there crashing into him. To me, to me, Ty, this game is a coin flip game. I could honestly envision this going either way. Um, my heart's telling me Cincinnati. My, my brain is telling me Buffalo where it's at home, given, you know, the Hamlin situation. I, I'm going to go Buffalo. I think they have a little extra motivation in this one, and I, I think they'll find a way to get it done. I'm in the same process as you, Brian. Don't know whether to go with my, my, my head or my heart. And the crazy part about this is Cincinnati was here at the same scene of the crime, different team, different city, and uh, still pose a threat to actually push the envelope to get to the AFC championship game where Buffalo has that emotional edge and America is basically on their side for what happened to DeMar Hamlin. Um, I don't really think I've seen too much of a decrease in Josh Allen. I just feel like teams are geared up to come after him. He's still a threat. He still can make all of the throws, and he's still their best rusher. I think he runs the ball better than all of them still. Um, if, if he don't see it, he's going to take off and be that six foot six. 230, 240-pound quarterback that they have to make a business decision to keep coming after. So that's a big threat. Even though Burrow can run, he doesn't run like he used to, but just knowing that he's mobile enough to buy time for those receivers to make plays downfield, this is an incredible matchup. Uh, Unfortunate situation on how it went down the first time, but this is the rematch or part two. However we look at it, this game is electric for me, um, to be honest. I think Buffalo pulls us out. Them at home. I, I really feel like DeMar Hillman has to walk on that field or bring him out there on a, a go-kart or something and, and let him wave at the crowd and just keep Buffalo on an emotional high. Just let them just rev up their engines as best as possible. If they can, I feel like it's very hard for Cincinnati to get out of that building alive. If they can, if DeMar comes out there, helps them get that emotional edge and Cincinnati pulls that off, I find it hard for anybody to start to stop the Bengals this year. I find it hard. Because that, that'll tell me that they're battle-tested. I think they're battle-tested, and they won't have to worry about anybody, like including myself. I really still feel that their offensive line is a question, and their defense is still something that can beat the Bengals. You can beat the Bengals if you attack that defense right. And if, if they can if they can beat Buffalo in New York, 
I, I feel sorry for Kansas City. I, I think they can do it again, and especially going into that building, and it will be an arrowhead if they do win, and be like, we did this already. We beat them before. We know how to take care of them. So this is a very entertaining game to say the least. Yeah, yes, I think that was Tamara trying to talk to me. Yeah. Um. Tell me, see, to me, the Bills – the Bills are the Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton, except with, with a better coach and a better wide receiver. I, that's what they're turning into. They're turning into the Panthers. And I, everything that you're saying about Josh Allen, everything you're saying, oh, he's the best runner, and he's 6'6". Six, six, weren't they saying that about Cam Newton? Weren't they saying that about Cam Newton? Yes. How'd that work out? You, your quarterback can't be your best running back. He just can't be, especially when you have an actual wide receiver, which the Panthers didn't, and they had a terrible head coach in Ron Rivera. And, yes, Ron Rivera is a bad coach. In 12 years, he's had three winning seasons, so he's a bad coach. So you have a better coach, you have a better roster, but you're the Carolina damn Panthers, man. I don't want to keep seeing Josh Allen leading them in rushing. It's not sustainable. People say, well, it's not sustainable. Lamar What's not sustainable is running your six foot six, two 250-pound quarterback and having him be your leading rusher. And, oh, and by the way, also asking him to make every throw that he shouldn't have to make, it's not sustainable. And I think we're starting to see the results of that now. I, I get it. I, I get where you, you're coming from, but they the Panthers still got to a Super Bowl that season. And I don't I don't know how to address the situation for Buffalo if they're Super Bowl ready or not. They do have the talent to get there. They have a stout defense. Um their passing game is what what's gotten them there. Josh Allen's been able to push this offense to the limits that a lot of people didn't think that they could get to. Uh their running game is the question mark. Whether it's uh Cook or into running back here. These guys have not consistently put up the good rushing yards that they need. I think they had one good game last year that helped them get to that Kansas City game uh, in which they lost at the end of the day. And Josh Allen is still that guy running the ball. I, I don't want to see that. I I mean, I love quarterbacks that take off. That's the one thing I do like about quarterbacks that are mobile. I don't like quarterbacks that if they don't see anything, they just throw the ball out of bounds and they live to see another day. It's like, no. If they see a, a bit of daylight they could take off and slide or take off and get yards or reach the chains or get out of bounds and do that. Like, that, that's the type of quarterback I like. But Josh Allen does it a lot to where I fear he's going to turn the corner and it's going to be somebody waiting for him to take his hat off. So I, I definitely get where you're coming from, Chandler. But, to you know, the comparison is, I guess, intriguing. But I, I to me, I think Josh Allen's a way better quarterback than Cam Newton. Way better. Way better. But Cam, Cam is just as strong and stout running the ball. But I, I – no, I don't. I don't think Cam could pass the ball or do as much as he can on offense like Josh can. But Josh has been running into interesting team after interesting team, so it makes it tougher in that debate. But he's consistently there. Cam hasn't been there consistently. He had that one run, but nevertheless, I am going to go Bills at home. Um, I think the six. I think the Bengals actually cover. I think this is going to be a three point game. I think this is like a. 31-28 type of game. I think it's going to be like that. It's going to be a shootout. I think this goes over. Buffalo wins this game by three, and they've been living by three because of DeMar Hamlin with the number three. That's, it's just me. This is how I feel that Buffalo's been living off of this since the, the unfortunate situation that happened just a few weeks ago. 
Okay, anything else before we get into the fireworks of the next game? I think this is definitely a uh, – I think this is definitely a who has the ball last type of game. Like, I, I think it's going to be that kind of that kind of struggle. It can be because the quarterbacks, I think they could uh, lead one of those two-minute drives and, and win the game. So, if that's that type of game, that's what I'm saying. It, it's a field goal game. I feel like it's going to come down to that three-point situation. 31-28 is the type of game I feel like this could be like. It's going to be in that range, at least how I feel. I feel like it's going to go over because these offenses both could score. The one thing I am worried about with Cincinnati is that they have offensive linemen out, and they already were giving up a ton of sacks to Burrow. So hopefully they can try to keep them as clean as possible, but I feel like Buffalo will get home a couple of times within this game. Okay. So the next game is the next divisional game that I think everybody can't wait for, and I, I feel like Bart Scott, ooh, I can't wait. We have the Dallas Cowboys taking their talents to Santa Clara, California, Levi Stadium, up against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I don't know which way to go with any one of these teams. I didn't even know what was going on in California at this point in time. I know the San Francisco has been playing some great ball. I did not know or realize they were on a they were on an 11 game winning streak. 11, like the Niners are red hot. Does Dallas stop this? That that's that's the one thing that I want to throw out there. Can Dallas go in there and interrupt this, especially where a lot of people think that San Fran can still pull us off with Brock Purdy? It's difficult for me because a lot of the situations that Dak has run into has always been a quarterback that you don't really feel like he can pull it off over, whether it was Aaron Rodgers, even Jimmy G was getting the edge over him, so on and so forth. This could possibly be Dak's time to get this thing done for the Cowboys. I want to see how you guys feel about this game. And uh, what your guys' mindsets are. Mike, I'll start with you first. Cowboys versus 49ers in California. So, first of all, from the Dallas side of it, uh, this comes down to a couple things. Can Dak put together consistent performances? Because Dak played by far the best game of of this year for him. Maybe one of the best games of his career last week. Uh, So, can he be consistent uh, and put together – another game, no turnovers, that kind of thing. His turnover count was high this year, uh, but he did not play like that, like that at all last week. And then can Kellen Moore actually call another good game instead of trying to play Madden up there in the box, uh, calling the game? So, uh, to me, those are one of the keys to Dallas. Both these teams have nasty defenses. Uh, the the other question is, uh, on the on the flip side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball for Dallas, can they confuse Purdy, right? Can they do some things to make him look pedestrian or to make him a little big for the moment? I don't know. So, I mean, you're right. This team started 4-4. Four and four. They finished 13-4, and four, won their playoff game. I think they started 3-4, and four, actually. Um, finished 13-4, and four, won their playoff game last week. Now, Seattle kind of tested them. That was sort of a division game. They gave up a little bit more than – you know, uh, very early in that game. But I, I really think that this game is going to come down to uh, which quarterback makes more mistakes. Uh, the, the quarterback that can play the cleanest game, I think that team probably wins this football game. I do like, uh, you know, I, I like the weapons around Purdy even more than I like the ones around Dak. Though Dak's got plenty of weapons, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, that San Francisco offense just has a ton, a ton of weapons. 
Um, so I, I like the weapons surrounding the quarterback more in San Francisco. I would say that the quarterback in Dallas, you know, Prescott's more proven. Uh, but this is going to be a, a lot of fun to watch. And like I said, the question is, can Dallas's defense put together a game plan to frustrate the rookie or to, uh, you know, make him look like what he is, and that is a, a rookie quarterback who was the last overall pick in the draft. I'm impressed with Purdy and what he's done this year. And to me, uh, what an opportunity the kid has uh, to get his team to the NFC Championship game. Uh, but I I keep going back and forth. I'm going to lead on San Francisco in a close game at home just because they are at home. But I think this is going to be a really good football game today. As I said, this is our double main event today. Okay, Chandler, your thoughts on the game? How this goes down? Dallas going into San Fran, in which this game went down last year in the postseason, and we all know how that ended. A crazy quarterback draw that went about 17, 21 yards, 14 seconds on the clock. He hands the ball to the center. 13, 12, 11, the ref grabs the ball, 10, 9, situates the ball, 8, 7, 6, the line finally gets there, 5, 4, 3, everybody's lined up, 2, 1, they try to spike the ball and couldn't, the game ends, Dallas loses. Your thoughts on how part 2 of what happened a year ago in this matchup? Well, if you look at it objectively, you would say San Francisco should win this game. And it honestly shouldn't be a close game. They have more playmakers offensively. Their defense is actually better. I know everybody loves Micah Parsons. Um, and I know everybody loves uh, uh, the Diggs kid. But um, last I checked, he, get, he gets burned on every double move he's ever seen. He bites on literally every single double move. Now, whether the receiver catches the ball or not, doesn't matter. He bites on it. You give him a double move. You hit him with a sluggo. He's biting. He's trying to jump the route, and then he gives up a big play. You, um, um, you're playing the rookie tackle against Bosa, right? And you got the wizard. Oh, my God. Kyle Shanahan, the greatest offensive play caller in the history of the earth in the universe and the multiverse. Okay. But last I also checked, Kyle Shanahan is still a coach of the 49ers. And I believe Kyle Shanahan was the offense coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons when they were up 28-3. And I believe Kyle Shanahan was the head coach in the Super Bowl when a game they should have won, and they wound up losing that game. See, Kyle Shanahan has a tendency to lose games in the biggest moments. Kyle Shanahan has never been on a team that's won anything. As a coach, his team consistently lose in the biggest of moments games that they're leading, games they're in control of, and they find a way to lose because he's Kyle Shanahan and he wants to prove he's smarter than you. So he's going to start calling plays that will do what the hell are you doing? So I think this game's a toss-up. I think Dallas very easily could win this game. I honestly don't think it'll be a good game. I think either one or the other of these teams is going to basically control the game the entire way. Uh, we're due for Christian McCaffrey to get hurt because he always gets hurt. We're due for Bosa to get hurt because he always gets hurt. And we're due for Debo to get hurt because he always gets hurt. And we're due for Kyle Shanahan to put on the dunce cap. 
So this game's a toss-up to me. But if I have to pick, I'll pick Dallas because, like I said, Kyle Shanahan is still head coach. And I don't believe in Kyle Shanahan at all because there's objective evidence to say don't believe in Kyle Shanahan because he will let you down. Well, then, he's telling the truth. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Kyle Shanahan because somehow, someway, he'll end up calling something at the end of the game where he's like, what's going on? Or Betty at the I don't even know which one is more epic, but I really think it's the Atlanta Patriots Super Bowl to me. That's way more epic of a, a letdown, breakdown, gut-punching situation while they're up 25 and lose a Super Bowl with a quarter left on the clock. Like, that's just that, – that's part of the biggest chunk of Brady's legacy is – being able to lead that team on several different drives and get them into overtime and force the win when your defense isn't as great as you need them to be. Atlanta's defense has never been as stout as they needed them to be. But nevertheless, um, <clears throat> they're red hot. The Cowboys are in a situation where they've, getting, they've gotten to the postseason plenty of times and something happens. And um, I feel like they can actually get this done. They can get it done. Will they? This is another situation. They have to keep that, that crowd out of this game one, and their running game is a definite good situation for them to actually win this game. Um, San Francisco's going to – I feel like they have a hard time outside of that front seven to stop that passing game. Dallas is definitely going to attack that uh, secondary. That's the one way that I feel like they can pose a threat and work that play action to make that defense already be on their heels trying to get back and stop his TD and company. So, um I do agree with Chandler. I think there are more weapons on the San Francisco 49ers offense, but the one weapon that they do have is the one that's in question for me, and that's Brock Purdy being so young and so youthful in this season. This almost reminds me of when I was, hmm, I want to say 10 years old, maybe 11, 9, 10, or 11, and the New York Giants lost a quarterback named Phillip Sims. I don't know if these guys know who he is, but he was, you know, playing football for the Jeff Giants, Hostel, ended up getting hurt, and enters a guy named <laughs> Jeffrey Hosteller. And um, nobody thought Hosteller would be somebody. Nobody thought he'd be a crazy name. Jeff Hosteller carried these reins all the way to the Super Bowl and ended up winning this thing. Brock Purdy has to play this kind of guy right her and now. He has to do this her and now. For me, because I'm not going to lie, ever since Brock Purdy got on the field at Levi, and played just as electric as he could when Garoppolo went down, and that crowd started screaming Purdy, and they put the camera on his father, his father started crying. I've been in support of Purdy since. Because that's a dream, is watching son be able to do it and having a chunk of the state of California screaming your last name, and you know that's your son, and he going crazy. Electric. I, I know I'm not a Niner fan. My, my older brother that I've grown up my entire life with is a Niner fan. Brian is a Niner fan. I'm around so many different Niner fans, but I got a plethora of Cowboy fans in my family, too, so it's a lot. It's a lot. So this is one heck of a matchup. But the one guy that I'm really concerned about is if Brock Purdy can outplay Dallas' defense and have a better game than what Dak is presenting on the other side of the ball because Dak can scramble. Dak is another runner. He's an 11th guy where that defense has to account for him. If Nick Bosa and them aren't getting to him and he's able to take off, this makes it tough for San Francisco. I feel like Dallas could pull this off today. I really feel like Dallas could pull this off today. I'm going Cowboys. If the Niners pull this off, Brock Purdy has to play a near-perfect game. Purdy has to play a near-perfect game for them to get this done. Um, 
and I like that Chandler said that a lot of the players that are the playmakers for the Niners, they're injury prone. He said Christian McCaffrey. Kittle's also one. Throw Kittle in there. Debo's an injury prone player. Bosa gets hurt. He threw Bosa. That defense was taking lick after lick. I want to say two or three weeks ago it might have been. Niner players were going down left and right play after play. Like it wasn't even like, oh, a play here, a play. No. They were back to back going down. So they are nicked up being that San Francisco 49er defense. So this all concerns me. And I think Dallas is, I hate to say this in front of the Cowboys, I feel like they're playing with house money, even though they are a good team. And their defense has actually been countering them. I think the Cowboys can go into Cali and steal this and help Jerry Jones feel good for another week. I'm going Cowboys. Okay, Brian, I'm saving you for last. If this is your boys, this is home team for you, your thoughts on the matchup with the Cowboys entering Levi Stadium. Listen, uh, I, you know, because of the situation with the Bengals' offensive line, to me, this is the the best matchup of the weekend. Um, and and I agree with you, Ty. Dallas 100% could go into Levi's Stadium and could beat San Francisco. Will they? That's a whole other question. Did Dak look fantastic against Tampa Bay? Yes. But let's keep it real. It's Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is – that's the same Tampa Bay team the Niners scored 35 on, and, and uh, Tampa Bay only scored seven points and made Brady look awful just a few weeks ago. This is the same Dallas team that has a quarterback that led the league in interceptions, even though he only started 12 games. Like, you got you to gotta take that into consideration going up against the team that leads the NFL in turnover differential the number one team when it comes to points per game allowed, the number one team in the league when it comes to rushing yards allowed. Pollard's super explosive. Yes, they still have old man Zeke. But if Dak's going to win this, it's going to be on him. And you you alluded to, and I heard you, and I apologize, guys, I I had an issue with my connection. But I heard you say, I didn't get to hear everyone else, I heard you say, in order for San Francisco to win this game, Brock is going to have to play a near-perfect game. I would argue if you look at the last six games he's played, he's done that. He's played that almost near-perfect game. Last week in the playoffs, didn't have a great first half, but if you look at it, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He's had the highest passer rating of any quarterback since he started playing. He has more touchdowns than any quarterback in the league since he's taken over as a starter. Um, He's played exceptionally well. Granted, he's a rookie. I would say the pressure is on Dak. If Dak doesn't play well, the Cowboys have zero chance to win this game. you got to remember, the Cowboys, this is game number four on the road for the Cowboys. This is the fourth consecutive week the Cowboys have been on the road. It may not be a big deal, but you also have to consider the fact that the Cowboys only had five days of rest, and essentially you have travel time within that time frame because the, the, the San Francisco 49ers last week played on Saturday. So they have two additional days of rest. They're at home, and I trust Kyle Shanahan and his ability to scheme over that of Mike McCarthy or Dan Quinn. I, I think San Francisco, honestly, the, the fandom out of it, I think they're the most loaded team in the NFL. Tight ends, wide receiver, running back, they're loaded, loaded. 
all Brandon, all, all Brock Purdy needs to do is what he's been doing. He doesn't need to do any more or any less. Just continue to distribute the ball. You know, throw a 10-yard dump pass to Debo and watch him take it 70. And I think that's what you're going to see. I think ultimately what's going to happen is what's been happening. Yes, the, the deep ball could be a concern if, if Dak has that kind of time to throw. Uh, but I think ultimately what you're going to see is I, I think San Francisco wins this game. I think between the running game, the passing game, I think they have too many weapons, and I think the Niners defense, I think the Niners defense, they're number one in the league for a reason. I think I think San Francisco wins this game 34 to 20. Okay, can I have a little pushback, Brian, since you, you I guess, push the envelope to sure. me about the near-perfect situation, right? This is sure. something that we addressed in the barbershop. I want to do this. So you said that he's been playing near perfect. The defenses that he's played against since Garoppolo got injured, the Miami Dolphins, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Seattle Seahawks, the Commanders, the Raiders, the Cardinals, back to the Seahawks. Which one of those okay. defenses do you find challenging? I, listen, I, I understand that the, the defenses that he's played against, quote-unquote, um, are, are not elite defenses. But what I would say is the commanders have a pretty good defense. Miami's team made the playoffs. Seattle made the playoffs. He's already proven. He played his first start against the GOAT. He's played against Tom Brady and come out on top. He's played on the road in a divisional game that was – to clinch the NFC West and come out on top. He's come, he was behind in the first half of a playoff game and come back. He has shown his resiliency. You, you can't, you can't ding somebody for who's on the schedule. We talk about this all the time. You can't, you can't say, well, you know what? Um, I'm not going to give this guy credit because, you know, he didn't play insert team here. You, you have to play the teams around the schedule. Is there certain challenges that Dallas can can um, provide to San Francisco that maybe other teams couldn't? Maybe. But I will tell you, if you look at the commander's defensive line, especially when you consider that Chase Young was back for his first game, they're pretty good. I mean, comparable, I would say, I would say Washington probably has a better D-line. So, I mean, he's played against good D-lines, good players, He's had some rookie moments, but I'm just saying when you're talking about the totality, the kid has played the kid has played phenomenal to this point, and the moment doesn't look too big for him. I think Dak, if anything, has shown in the past that sometimes the moment looks too big. And out of the two, I'd be much more concerned about Dak being turnover prone this game than I would Brock. And and I agree with you wholeheartedly that they have to play who's in front of them. I beg to differ about Washington's situation. Washington's defense has been porous, even including when they played the Lions earlier this season. The Lions ran it up on them and put up 36 on them, the same amount of points that San Fran put up on them. They put up 37. In all of these games, he's averaging 200 yards, probably flat. He had 210 against Miami, 185 against Tampa Bay, and they won 35-7. So that's more of that running game that got involved. 217 up against Seattle, 234 against Washington. The high game was against the Raiders in overtime, 284, and he had 178 in Arizona. Well, this was in San Francisco, but it was against Arizona. 
And then he lit up, he lit up Seattle playing from behind. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got you. I got you. I'm, I'm trying to work with you. I'm trying to work with you. And he lit up Seattle for 332. And I'm I'm not buying Seattle's defense because they're in the playoffs. Seattle's giving up tons of points. They they almost gave up 40 that game. They gave up 40 up against us. Um, who was the other defense you said? Tampa Bay. They their defense let them down this season. Their defense has been giving up points left and right. Um, uh, who else? In, in, maybe in their Miami, defense couldn't let them down. down. Maybe my, their offense couldn't get off the field. Couldn't couldn't stay on the field. They don't have a back end at all. You can't even name a threat in their defensive secondary right now. Name one. Well, yeah, the the, the star corner's injured, but yeah, I get it. How about this? How about okay? You, okay, you, wait, wait, hold on. How I'm about not, we I'm, compare? I'm how, how, what? How about we compare? How about we right. compare apples to apples? Dallas played Washington, that terrible defense, in Week 17, and Dak started, and so did all, so did all the starters because they still thought at that time they had a chance to go places against that terrible defense tie, how many points did they score? I'll wait. Well, you're talking about the Cowboys in that the Commanders game? Yep. Yep. I forget the total that score now. I'd have game. to look at that. Right? They scored six. They scored six. Okay. Six points. All right. Dak had less mm-hmm. than 200 yards passing in the whole game. And I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, well, you know, he didn't play the whole game. Yeah, I think the other – I think the backup that came in, I'd have to look it up. I think he threw two passes. So, the point being is is maybe Washington is not the stellar defense to compare all be-all. But what I would say is this juggernaut offense that you're picking to win, look how they performed two weeks ago against that same defense. And that, that's also a division rivalry. That, that, <laughs> Especially the, the Cowboys and Indians, like they're they're gonna go at it. In so, that is the, so is and, Seattle, and, and, but you're not giving credit for that. Let me let me finish. Let me finish. Like, I'm letting you speak. You gotta let me speak too, bro. Like, okay, Seattle. Seattle's not the team that they were supposed to be. They were anticipated to be a, a top ten pick this year. They playing with house money for real. And you see now the way that they let you guys. I can't even really say let you guys, but they basically put their hand down and folded after halftime. They were up by a point, and they didn't show up again after that. And that, that's Seattle. Seattle is basically going to lose everything at the end of the season. Literally. Literally. They they had to beat the Rams, which they are under investigation being that referee core uh, in that game. Because Seattle's about to lose that situation, too. And the Miami Dolphins, another defense that you mentioned, they got in by the skin of their teeth up against the Jets, winning that game with field goal kickers. The Jets and the Dolphins are going back back and forth kicking field goals. I'm not buying Miami like no, no. No, not, not that. Purdy's going to have to prove it today that he can beat a stellar defense. And this is the first stout defense that I think that he's seen this year. If he lights them up and pulls this off, I'll tip my cap and call you personally and text you and have the conversation like I've normally had with you every single year that we met. I will. I will. But right now, this is an uphill battle for him up against the Cowboys where they have a good defensive front that can get after him. But I think the secondary is the question mark where you guys could actually win that part of the game. Your playmakers, I think, pose a threat to their secondary. But if you guys aren't getting home to Dak, Dak can make it an uphill battle for you guys. We we, we saw this matchup last year in Dallas. We were a slightly less talented team. I would say they're – exactly who they are now on offense same offensive line pretty much same defensive line for us pretty much i i think that's the blueprint listen i'm not saying i'm not saying the deck won't have a better game passing 
I, I, they're a phenomenal offensive line. I, 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 I trust, I trust my boys. I trust the defensive line for San Francisco to get after him. And I, I think you're going to see him get thrown down at least two, three times. Very interesting. Anything. Okay. So let me get these guys involved in here before we shut down. Do y'all want to do scores too, or are we just going with the picks that we got? I want to see how you guys feel about it. Anything else that Mike or Chandler would like to address? I'll, I'll go to you, Mike, your thoughts on what's been said thus far. And uh, with, I guess get scores before we close. I just think it's going to come down to who makes more mistakes at the quarterback position. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of other things we've seen them line up and, and match up. So I think it's just, it, I think this game really may come down to which quarterback plays the better game and which, and which play caller calls the better game. Completely. Chandler, anything else that you'd like to address? Um, no, like I said, Kyle Shanahan is still a coach, so go get, go Dallas. Okay. There you have it. Do you guys want to give me scores and closings before we get out of here? I, I guess I'll come to Big Bro Brian first. Um, give me a plug, close out, shout out, anything that you'd like to promote. And if if you want to do a score, you can. You don't have to if you don't want to. No, man, I uh, I, I listen, it's always a pleasure talking with you gentlemen. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity. Ty, I, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, you you started this this sports. Hello. Did we lose him? Can y'all hear him? I don't hear him. Can y'all hear him? No, just static. All right. Um, I'll come to you next, Chandler. Anything that you like to plug, close out, shout out, anything that you like to promote. And if you want to, you can give me a score before we get up out of here. Uh, score, I'll go 34-20. Um, the only thing I want to say, and it has nothing to do with football, is uh, last night in Monterey Park, California, some people uh, were gathering to celebrate Lunar New Year. And once again, somebody walked in there with a gun. Um, and if you are not talking about it, if you're not thinking about it, if you're not talking about the fact that this is a hate crime, um, I got a problem with you. I really do. And, and for those people that are affected, um, I'm really so sorry this happened to you. It needs to stop. It just, it's, it's, it's got to stop. Um, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of you civilians running around talking about, oh, I use a mo, I use an assault weapon to hunt. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. And any of you clowns out there talking about anybody that's not in the military should have an assault weapon, okay, okay. Let's see what happens when you see what those bullets do to your flesh. But um, for the people that are affected, man, I'm just so sorry. And um, hopefully they catch the clown that did this real soon. He is not lying. That That is something that uh, I woke up to and seeing that is it's incredible that this is happening all over the country that uh, – mass shootings and and this is happening in every city not even like big cities it's happening all over the country to say the least um i'm I'm sad and knowing that there's over over five people over one that's a lot and they you know especially when they're celebrating and not thinking nothing their minds in the clear and it's something crazy catastrophic happens they're just puzzling the minds of ruthless people at this point in time it's, it's getting worse people but please be strong man um Mike, I need a plug, close out, shout out, anything that you like to promote, 
before we get up out of here. You can give me a score if you like to. If not, it's okay. 27-24. I'm going to go San Francisco, but I can think of going the other way. I think it's probably a three-point game. Um, listen, man, all the craziness in the world, take the time to tell people that you care about how you feel about it, man, because we just never know. Uh, we're not promised another day. So uh, that being said, man, check out the website, the blogs, sportscitychefs.com. We got all kinds of things, finger foods, all things up there. We also have shows throughout the week. We have the uh, Tuesday night NFL free-for-all, Wednesday night the uh, the cookout, callers cookout with uh, good versus the villain where timeless always wins. And then uh, Chandler and I are doing roundtable gumbo on Thursday night. So check us out, see what we're doing, uh, be part of what we're doing, like and subscribe, follow us. Remember, you can also have us come to you through your smart speakers. Also, quick shout out to the barber shop on Clubhouse, man. Listen, we got some resident cowboy fans. We got some resident, um, a couple resident Bills fans, not quite as many. I uh, got a couple resident uh, Bengals fans as well, and some 49ers fans. So, uh, you guys want some entertainment? We don't have our cowboy fan who cried last year. He hadn't been back really, but we do have. Uh, entertainment during these games today so you want to be part of that uh come by and check us out check out our community as we are continuing to grow uh on that pl- platform as well man uh but that being said man time is, is always a pleasure to be uh with you on the uh callers cook um, on the uh sunday morning brunch man always a pleasure to be alongside without you my friend i wouldn't be here so much love and respect Respect to the rest of the chefs as well. Chandler, always good to chop it up with you, Brian. Glad you're here. Uh, shout out to the other guys that helped make this thing uh, go as well. But until uh, next, we got a siren in the background, something going on. Uh, but until next time, man, as you say in South Louisiana, bro. Laissez les bon temps rouler. Peace. And I do got Brian back. That was the siren we heard. Brian, give me a plug, close out, shout out, anything that you'd like to promote. Uh, we did have a technical difficulty situation a little while ago. Yeah, you're good, man. And you know what? Um, I think Mike said it perfectly. All I would say is um, sportscitychefs.com. Check out the website, the blogs. Um, Ty has been grinding at this for a long, long time, guys. Um, The support that you guys provide uh, and, uh, you know, the the chefs, Chandler, Mike, um, some of the other guys over the years, you know, has definitely helped get sports city chefs where it's at. But uh, I just want to say, you know what, there's a lot of times that uh, listening to your favorite podcast can kind of help you kind of get your mind off of, you know, some of the bad stuff that you may have going on. And uh, the sports city chefs has definitely been that for me. So uh, thank you. Thank you guys for all that you guys do. And uh, time let's keep, keep it rolling, brother. Thank you. Of course, I love you to death. Dude took me into his own home several different times when I went to California. I can never forget that. But on a somber note, I, I guess we got to share this all together. Um, for especially Brian and Mike, um, 17 years ago to the day, this was when Kobe Bryant scored 81 points against the Toronto Raptors in Los Angeles. God rest your soul, Kobe Bryant. Um, and this is actually the week that he passed away because he died on January 26th. So this is all within this calendar week. A lot of crazy stuff happened to Kobe being Bryant. Um, Sports City, I can't say enough. I really feel like this show was very electric. I feel the energy within this show. 
I am happy at everybody that showed up and having all of the good insight. Whether we got the debates, the rights or wrongs, it still makes everything mixed up here in the kitchen. I can't even lie. Just like they said, continue to show the support to everything that we got going on, whether it's PHI Power, whether it's SportsCityChefs.com, whether it's here on the original webpage or coming through on the barbershop, whatever I got going, you continue to support us, whether you're on Twitter, Instagram, whatever link tree we got going on, Sports City is giving you the best that we can, food for thought. Hopefully you still are doing these dishes. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again, and if they don't know, now they know. Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June, Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom, so tell a friend it's the Sports City Chefs again, pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh-huh.